Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Bad Beats episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about to make the legendary worst deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I am your host, Scott Royal Smith. I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, the one-stop shop for everything real estate and entrepreneur related for business tax, uh, legal advice in all 50 states. Uh, we have a free LLC promotion that's going on uh, right now. Uh, where you get a seriously free LLCs from a law firm for cheaper than you can get it at LegalZoom. Uh, and by the way, we don't just do those LLCs. We also can handle just about everything um, in your life for you. So you can focus on the one thing that's going to drive you forward to success. And I'm with a good friend of mine here today. Uh, Ty has so graciously joined us on the podcast here today. So thank you uh, for coming on the show here today. And for anybody that doesn't know about you and the great work that you're doing, Ty, what do you, what do you think is important for them to know for today's purpose? Well, really, our passion is helping businesses get capital. So we really focus on helping businesses, you know, build their fundability to become more lendable, to obtain business credit for their EIN that's not linked to that personal social, to get around those guarantees, and then just access all loans, credit lines in one place, just be able to get the most money for the business and do so at the best terms. That's what really drives us. That's our passion. That's awesome, Ty. And what what company are you working with uh, right now to help with that? Um, what Credit Suite. So I'm the CEO of Credit Suite and that's exactly what we do at Credit Suite. You know, our whole mission is to be able to empower entrepreneurs by putting the capital in their hands that they need to be able to go out and do awesome things. It's awesome guys. Yeah. So Credit Suite's one of those, it's, it's, one, it's one of those suites of organizations. Um, they're not all made equal. You need to go to somebody that's going to be, you know, reputable and that really helps with the customer experience you're in. So there's a lot of people you're going to find out there and says, Hey, you know, we can help you get funding and we can do all these things. Um, but one of the things you guys can grab from today's show is, you know, a touch point with, uh, with, with Ty and say, okay, is this, is this the right kind of relationship? Because we know the relationships and the who's that we're dealing with um, are what's really important because it's the who's in your life are the ones that get you um, down the line, guys. So um, stay tuned here for this episode. Learn, you know, a little bit more about what we've got going on here. And um, one of the things that we're going to dive in here with, with Ty here today is about, you know, some of these business deals, these best deals or worst deals and learn about what does that feel like to be in a great deal or a horrible deal because we know that the intellectual side which you can read in the books what goes on the spreadsheets that's half the deal the other deal is what's in between your ears what are you thinking about right how do you feel on that moment when you're making those decisions we just talked about this on the episode um, this last episode with Grant Cardone where we were talking about a lot of it has to do with your mindset of what's your mindset when you're making the decisions along the way. So we're going to be diving in that in here today as well too. So um, Ty, for, for your experience, you know, did you want to talk about a best deal or a worst deal, you know, here today? It doesn't have to be an investment. It could be business related or, or anything in that vein. I don't know. Um, I guess we'll probably go with uh, best deal. Cool. I'm good either way, really, because yeah. I made a lot of good decisions and even more bad decisions. <laughs> so I got plenty of things to talk about either way. We'll figure it out. Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, let's go to your worst decision. Let's air out all the dirty laundry. No, I mean, we could talk about. No, let's do uh, that. Let's go with worst decision. Worst I like okay. that. Sure. All right. Sure. All right. Let's air out the dirty laundry. Let's get real with what happens and, and worst decisions. And I'm guilty of them too, right? So uh, anybody that's actually worth their salt as an entrepreneur. Um, and if you actually meet real entrepreneurs, guys around the tables, like these, the real hard cracking dudes, they're not sitting around there bragging about all of the great stuff they do. Cause that makes other entrepreneurs just want to throw up and be like, whatever, who gives a shit. Right. 
what real entrepreneurs do when they get on the table is they talk about the worst stuff they've ever done. And then they all laugh about it and drink a beer, you know, about, I can't believe the stupid thing I did, you know, at, at this point. So uh, not saying I did anything stupid here, but this is a, a great insight for you guys about, you know, what the, a sneak peek on what this actually looks like um, from, uh, from the side of it. So to kind of set the stage for us here of like, what's going uh, what, what is this, you know, what's going on with this deal and, you know, what's going on with you at the time that you're looking at this deal. So, cause we know that you're part of, you know, that, that process as well. Well, absolutely. So I think when it comes to worst case scenario, um, you know, I guess there's so many things to choose from. It's hard to say, but uh, one of the worst things that we actually had an experience with was really not properly vetting, I think, who we were really doing business with. So, you know, when we first got started, we were uh, outsourcing a lot of the people that handled our business advising and financing for us. And so we kind of went all in and became a licensee of what, uh, of that company. And it ended up very badly for us, which in the end, as any bad experience does, turned out very positively. But I think in the end, or in the beginning, the biggest part that we did was just not properly vetting the company that we were sitting across the table from. Yeah, absolutely. Very important. Um, what, what things did you do to vet that company? Um, I know it, like maybe it's like, Hey, we wish we'd have done more and been more thorough. Um, but at some point in there, you probably said, Hey, we should vet these guys. You know, you made the decision to vet. Um, but maybe, you know, like it's like, okay, I checked off enough of the boxes. This looks fine. So what were the things that you did that made you feel that you had enough information at the time? Even though well, and at the, the time we looked into it and when it came to business credit building and advising, they were the biggest in that space. And so I think that we automatically gave them authority because they're of their size, because they were the dominant player in that space. So I think that, that those were some of the things we did. And of course, we did basic online searches. We didn't see major complaints on ripoff report and the type of places uh, where there are major complaints. So we didn't see the negative, you know, and I think that's the problem is that we went into it looking specifically just for negative, you know, thinking that bad companies have to have bad reputations online. And not to say they're a bad company, it just didn't work out. They didn't manage themselves responsibly enough to a point to to survive and put us into a bad situation. So I think that's what we did somewhat right. We looked at a lot of the bad information and tried to find what we found there and didn't find a lot. And then we kind of gave them more credit than the credit was due because they were a larger organization. Um, you know, in hindsight, we should have given more focus on the fact that they really didn't have big social followings, that the actual owners and the authorities in that business really had no social followings. A lot of them weren't even on social, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but it's a red flag in today's society. You know, when, you're, when you own a successful business and you don't have any social media presence, it at least throws up a red flag. I think the other thing there is that they just didn't have a massive following online. They weren't doing things out there. They didn't have an audience engaging. They didn't have a lot of positive reviews out there. And so that's something we definitely changed our focus on. Now we don't just go out and look for the negative. Now we're looking for the positive. You know, if you're doing a good, it's not just if you're doing a bad job, people are complaining. Now it's if you're doing a good job, what are people saying about you? You should have hundreds of positive reviews. Um, and I, you know, follow these guys called the Harmon Brothers, and they're fantastic, you know, because they have produced some of the best-selling commercials that we've ever seen, or even I should say, videos um, that we've ever seen, like Poopery and like Squatty Potty. And this is one of the big things they talk about too. Before they ever pick up a client, they go out and they're looking for reviews, not just that people have five stars. But what are the comments that people are saying? They're looking for products that actually really impact and change people's lives where those comments reflect that. And I don't think that's something that we didn't do and something that we now do when we're vetting any 
um, company that we're intending on partnering with or doing business with. Very interesting. So you're, you're saying um, in, in a bigger scope, I said, hey, there's actually best practices that go on both sides of the coin here that we need to start checking box on for people and saying, you know, they need to be following best practices of not just the negative things and say that ensure that goes wrong, but also on the positive things for me to know that they're really staying up to speed um, on, on what's, what's new and um, engaging. I was wondering too, does that, when you see people that aren't doing best practices and, and doing all the positive things in there too, does it also make you think about the fact that it's like, they kind of just don't care enough anymore? You know, because if yeah. you cared, you would be doing like all of the stuff that everybody's like, yeah, we should be doing that. You know, you know it's, it's interesting. I, I, I got on the phone with one of our with really we don't have a lot of competitors in our space, but one of the ones that we have, and the guy was just saying nasty things on Twitter about us, which I'm not used to. You know, I'm I'm the just reach out and like we're in the same industry. Let's be friends like we're passionate about the same thing. So I just reached out to him abruptly. And, you know, it was interesting because he just did not understand that what we do affects is give and help and we just like teach and educate we put that out there and that was something he could not wrap his brain around you know he was affixed on the fact that we do a webinar and that was so 80s and it's like you don't understand it's it's about helping it's about we took what you do and then we gave it away like we just gave it away and we taught people how to do it and so we look for that now you know i don't think it's a matter of i think it's more a matter of there's two types of people there's the people that get it like we do, and we're out there producing content, we're interviewing people, we're providing a lot of value in real hopes of making a difference, right? Like you guys aren't giving away free LLCs to get rich. You're doing it to actually literally really make an impact and make a difference. And you know that when you do that, the money and all that other stuff comes with it. You just know that. That's not even your focus. But I found there's a clear difference between people that think that way. You know, there's people that just do business to do business, and that's okay. That's just not a good fit for our culture. Our culture is a better fit for people that, like you, are giving out and helping and really concern more with that aspect. So I think that's important for us. We now focus more on people that are willing to help and educate and give and not just sell. And in doing so, they're a better cultural fit for us. Whereas back in that time in this decision, we just weren't, we didn't have that mindset, you know, and, and they weren't givers and they weren't giving out free information. And, and in the end, we've just found that those aren't good business partnerships for us. And in, in that context of it too, um, would you say like at that point when you were interacting with them that that wasn't necessarily like a clear focus of your own culture? And say that, because if it was super clear for your culture at that time, right, you would have saw that and been like, whoa, this feels super weird. But sometimes I feel like when we're new into a space and we're getting things going and we're forming some partnerships, those things can be really fluid for us because we're trying to figure out like what does feel right? What is right. the right direction with it? And, um, and, and maybe that underscores like another tone of thinking like, you know, how important is it for us that we have that really clear before we start? Because otherwise you can get, you know, amorphous kind of like what, you know, whipped around in different things. It, it's an Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you hit the nail on the head. Large part of that problem for us is because we had not defined our culture at that point in time. Now, the interesting thing is, is I don't think we could have, because I think that these type of instances is what helped us realize who we were, right? So, you know, I remember a team member we had that was our best salesman. We only had two. We had, well, we, he was our only sales guy. He was our only sales guy in the company. And we brought in 
been somebody new because we were suspicious that he wasn't really performing at a level that he should be. And we found this new guy double calling, double everything. And I remember when we decided to let him go, our main sales guy, and for a rookie that had a few months experience. And it freaked us out and our sales plummeted and everything as a result of it. And we fought through and we won and we succeeded. Those kind of moments in a business define what your culture is. And when you're in the mix and that's happening and you're, you've got a relationship like this that's going bad, you don't pay attention to it. You don't think about it. But then later when you start really knocking out what your values are, it's those moments that help you define what your values are. So I think this was a learning experience for us. This helped us define who we were as a company and our values. Um, but it was one of the things that was caused by us not having those values and having clarity of that as well. Very interesting. So how does that help you um, with the, you know, having the values of your company and really well-defined, like, uh, how has that helped guide your decision-making um, now moving forward? Is that really intentional oh, for you guys? It's yeah. night and day difference. Can you tell us more about that? Like of what, how, what that feels like or what that looks like in, in practical terms? Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I will tell you that the vast majority of decisions I made are now cultural based. Um, and we do that all the time. And I remember having a call two days ago with my team where a customer come to me with a concern, which doesn't usually happen. And I got involved and dictated how it should go versus letting my team leads run that scenario. And I got on the call with them and I just said, look, guys, I'm really sorry I did this. Here's why I did it. Here's what I was, I was thinking. And this, that, you know, that customer, it just wasn't going down the other road, wasn't a fit for our values. But then again, stepping on your toes wasn't a, a fit for the values and I really violated this value. It's just the way that we all think within the organization. And now since we're all adhered to the exact same vision of where we're going and we also know exactly how we're getting there and what our beliefs are, we only operate within our beliefs. So for example, when I am ever involved in a hiring interview, I don't ask any questions about experience. I don't really care. All I care about is, are you a good cultural fit in the organization? And all my questions are geared around every single one of our core values to establish that. If we decide that we need to let a team member go or reprimand a team member, all those things are done 100% based on the structure of our core values. What did they do? Did they violate the core values? How bad did they violate the core values? You know, so those core values guide so many of the decisions that we make as a company now. Do, are you guys using um, like tools like DISC and Predictive Index? We do, to... and, and I can't tell you the one we use. We finally narrowed one down that's awesome and works really, really well for us. And my, my human resources department that something new for us over the last year, they now manage that, but it's phenomenal and I recommend it highly. Everybody should be doing some kind of personality assessment. What we do is find our most successful team members in a position and then we try to model their results after who we're looking after. And it's been like, astonishing. We went from having these candidates in front of us that are like, well, how did you even make it here to sit in front of us to now we're only sitting across from A players because we know that we're modeling them again, or we're modeling our A players and they're just fitting that exact same mold. So I think it's essential. So you'll do the personality assessments and then how are you looking at, you know, you're talking about, you know, how values and values lead the organization. You know, you could ask people like what their values are, right? Um, but they'll maybe just parrot back some stuff that they think you want to hear. Sure. Like, hey, I am a good team player. 
You know, I believe that, uh, <laughs> you know, all the, the classic things. Do you, do you have a way that you talk to people? And, well, and I'll give you an example. You know, one of our core values is passion. And so when I sit in front of somebody looking to be interviewed, it, you're either passionate about us and what we do, or you're just there looking for a job. And we filter that out early in an interview process. If you're coming in and applying with us and you don't know who we are and you haven't looked at our website, et cetera, you're automatically gone. You're like, we're not even talking to you. What we're looking for is that person that goes, oh my gosh, like I looked at what you guys do and I couldn't stop looking and it's phenomenal. And I thought this, and I thought about a situation where this happened in my life and I have a friend and they they start just talking really fast. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for somebody that's passionate. So if you don't have that passion of what we do, then like, there's just not going to fit. Right? So if we believe that, you know, service is very important, well, then we're not going to ask how important you think service is. We're going to ask about a time that you really messed up and could have done better when you're talking to a customer and what you believe is important from customers perspective. We're asking you questions related to your past experience and your beliefs of how you think customers should be treated and real examples of that. But we're doing that in an indirect way where you're not even really understanding what we're asking, but we're basically just looking to see how you've handled scenarios in the past related the service so we can get a feel if that's how we would want those things handled because people who they are you just can't change and they're either who they are a good fit for the culture or they're not and that's where we're having three to five questions just kind of loosely around that um makes sense so innovation is one of our, our core values well that's easy for us to figure out by asking people just general questions of what they've created you know what what how they solve problems you know these type of things so it's figuring out what your core values are and then finding some questions that don't directly relate to that that will help guide you of whether that not that person's a good fit very very cool uh this is a wealth of information too about like how do we actually look with people which is the core of any good business and it's the core of you know, how we also, you know, from my perspective, a lot of times is that how people individually operate, you know, you can tell a lot about a person by like how, and their level of success is going to depend upon of like, what are the things that they're value, valuing? And the same thing happens with the organization and how well people adopt into that. Um, is this something that you're helping um, new business owners and entrepreneurs uh, learn about? Or is this just something that you've developed in, in cultivating your own business? I'm going to tomorrow. Now that you yeah. suggest it, <laughs> we are we are like just making this shift, right? Because we're really big on capital, and we've just put out hundreds and hundreds of hours that teach people how to get money. But we're just kind of making this shift into teaching the entrepreneurial side of what brought us here, you know. And and so you bring up a great point, and that's something we should be teaching. But this is the first time I've ever publicly discussed core values ever, as important as it is. So with us, we didn't go in with the plan. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't have changed that. We let the company determine its own values. Then we nailed down the values. And it was easy to have the team adhere to them because like the team created them indirectly, right? Like they were already doing things a certain way. And all we did was be like, what are they doing? And then started narrowing them down into what actually our values were. But uh, it is something we need to do more teaching on. That's cool, man. So, so on the, I think that's a great thing to do. I, I'm starting to do a lot of the same thing. I do live shows. It's actually today is going to be our first live show uh, at, uh, it's at uh, one o'clock uh, central time on Thursdays where I do Royal Entrepreneurship. And it's like, here's the things that I've learned about how to go from a two person law firm to a 40 person law firm inside of three years. And this is like all of the stuff that gets jammed into that. 
um, which is super fun because, you know, there's the whole thing of like, what's the services and the products, right, that we do. But there's all of these other things that we can do to be helping people that, uh, you know, I feel like it's just awesome to help everybody and then find a way out of that to be like, okay, there's going to be something in here after we find out what people are really resonating with to say, okay, cool. Now let's look to self. Sure. You know, because we can say now we know who they are, what they really need, and we're going to have to invest money into this to really be able to help them. And so then they're going to help us by paying us, so that way they can fund us to be able to create the thing it is that we know that they need from it, right? Right. And it's like you get this natural entrepreneurship, which is fundamentally how most all new businesses start, right? Which is like like I I just do what I'm passionate about. I start sharing with people. I see what people are interested in interacting with me about. And then I find a way to sell. And I think a lot of people miss that. They try to think like, what can I make money on first when they could be thinking about like, how could I help people first? And what am I passionate about? And if you let that guide the way, then your values guide you to where naturally you're going to be putting your energy, feel excited about it. Right. I agree. It's, it's a much harder battle when you don't, I mean, Jeff Bezos, you know, we can't say it doesn't work, right? He got into that. He saw an opportunity with internet and then, you know, thought of a way to get in on that level. He didn't get in because he was passionate about something. He got in with a strategy to be able to exploit that asset of the internet. And then we've got plenty of others, right, that are there, um, like Steve Jobs, who just is there because he did what he absolutely loved to do, what's passionate about. We see a lot of entrepreneurs come through and say, I got 500 bucks what business do I start, right? And it's the wrong question. The questions become what problems can you solve? And then you have to think about what affects you, what you don't like, what you would change. And the deeper that is, the more impactful it is. In my world, I'm here because I owned a mortgage company when my mortgage company failed. Okay, I saw a business that was very successful fail because of the whole shift in the economy, things that were completely out of my control. Now, I don't not take accountability for that. I could tell you hundreds of things that I've done differently and would have do differently after the fact. But what I'm saying is I saw how little control you actually have in the real world and how things can just out of the blue come out and knock you um, on your behind, right? So I saw that and I lost everything. I mean, I personally guaranteed stuff in my business. They came and took all the cash out of my personal bank accounts. I had stuff that reported on my personal, my credit reports that we use for the business. When that stuff went late, all my credit issuers lowered my limits. It pushed me almost to the wow. brink of bankruptcy. And I can, when I really tell the story, I'm crying. Like I stand on stages and cry because it's so emotional for me. And so that level of determination and drive when I figured out like business credit, and there was a way around this whole thing. Dude, it is what I eat, live and, and, and sleep, right? Because like everybody needs to know what I didn't know. So they don't have to go through what I went through. Like I want them to have the choice I didn't have. And like, that is what I live for is to do that. To have that level of passion, it doesn't come from just picking a, an industry random where you want to be in. It, it really comes into having a real big problem, especially one that you are really emotionally impacted by, and then really being dedicated to helping other people solve that problem. And when you do that, the money and all this other crap just doesn't matter. And you're just there to help and serve. And then the minute that happens, it's like everything else, just like dominoes falls behind you. It's really surreal when it happens, as you just suggested. 
Yeah, it's, it is a surreal experience. And one of the things I think that underscores a lot of that is if you're really passionate about a big problem, and you're coming up with solutions with it, you almost always are going to be starting to invent solutions that are better than everybody else because you care more to think deeper about the problem and care more about the customer and what are all the things that impact their life. And you start doing the little things that other companies find annoying that they wouldn't want to do to do that. And that's really where you get into be like an industry leader with it. So um, can you fill us in a little bit more for everybody that doesn't know about um, the types of people you help and how you're helping them um, to just get a background for your business there? Because I'm sure a lot of people listening to this want to connect with you and, and probably want to know how that they could work with you. Well, we just, we just believe that the system of getting capital for businesses is fundamentally broken. You know, what happens is lenders and credit issuers, they have tons of information about us that we don't know that they have. And my best advice is to grab a LexisNexis credit report. It's free. You can fill out, print a form, complete it, and send it in and see what happens. My LexisNexis credit report is nearly 300 pages. No exaggeration. It's that thick. And when you figure this out, when you see that they see every email address you've ever owned, every phone number you've ever owned, every, you know, criminal history and traffic ticket and all the stuff that's openly available to these guys. It's just an unfair system. It's a system where banks and credit issuers are making all these decisions based on information that we don't even know is accurate and we don't have access to. So we're really big on fixing that, bringing transparency, making sure that entrepreneurs are empowered with the same knowledge that they need to have that these lenders have, that they can access the same data that these lenders credit issuers have about them that they know how to interpret that data that they i don't know like actually know what it takes to qualify for loans and credit cards instead of just blindly applying like it still doesn't make sense to me that credit issuers don't say what it, they want to get approved like why make people go through a process where you know they're going to fail when you don't even want those people to begin with like be transparent so like we help our clients understand every credit card they're going to apply for here's exactly what they're looking for for approval you do qualify you don't qualify here's the process to get approved it just makes sense you know we believe that business owners shouldn't be liable permanently for what they're doing in the business you know but in order to get away from that liability you have to understand how business credit works you have to understand the process to be able to get it and you have to be able to build that credit profile to separate these credit profiles to separate that liability we think it's insane that you go to a lender and they offer one kind of loan. And like, if you don't qualify, you think you're, you're not qualifying, but there was 200 other kind of loans you easily could have gotten if you would have known about it that that lender didn't offer. I just don't understand why one source isn't known as the biggest in this country that you go to them to get capital and everybody that offers capital, you can get through that one source. So these are just things we're passionate about. We're just confused. We're just confused of why this minefield has been created for entrepreneurs to get capital when we absolutely all know that the lack of access to get capital is the reason they fail. Like, why do you just lead people to failure? It, the system is just broken. And that's what we're passionate about fixing is educating, teaching, letting people get an even playing field, understand what it takes to qualify, and then having clear paths to access the capital that we all know they have to have to be able to do awesome things. Then I get a kickback and watch them do ridiculously awesome things. And it's just really rewarding to see when you put capital in entrepreneurs' hands, like what they do with it. It's just really, 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 really cool and rewarding to see. Oh, absolutely. You know, because it's the capital that gets the division moving. You know, they got to have the capital in place to be able to do that. And for people, um, 
you know, wanting to, to look into your work, what are the things that, you know, when they reach out um, to you that they can expect, like, here's the things that I can get for free. And, and here's where, you know, I can start to, you know, pay Ty to help me do things. What, sure. How do the things filter out in those two? Well, the, look, on the business credit side, you never need to pay any company, ours, us included, to be able to build business credit. It's just a matter of understanding the series of steps. And we have hundreds of videos that teach exactly what you need to know. I'm going into a webinar in 25 minutes where I'll be in there for two hours teaching exactly what you need to know this year to build business credit and be effective. Like anything, right? You, you, if you work with an expert, it's just faster. It's just easier. And that's the thing. We can teach you the path, but you're going to run into a thousand individual obstacles that others don't run into. And having somebody to pick up the phone and go, hey, that happened. What do I do? Or somebody that's calling you and go, how's it going? And you're like, I'm stuck here. And they immediately get you unstuck. That's where we're getting our clients the same results in about four to six months of building business credit. But somebody's going to take a year and a half for two years on their own to do. But look, I found in business that, you know, it's one or the other. It's time or money. When you're starting in business, all you have is time and you don't have money. So you're okay to take the longer path because you don't have the capital to invest in things like that, even if it saves you the time. But then those other people would just want the fastest, easier path with the most results. And those are the people that become our paying clients. But we teach everything on the business credit side. We teach on the fundability side openly to let people succeed, whether they can pay us or not. And then the people that want the faster path pay us. On the financing side, we don't even collect money from a customer anyways like the lenders give us kickbacks they give us referral fees so what happens there is we openly teach financing about everything we openly help all customers understand what they need to be able to do to get financing we'll spend all the time with them to help them and hey if we can help them great if they want to go to the lending source themselves great but we feel we've done it in a way where it's more beneficial to go through us because we're that mediator handling a lot of things they're getting volume discounts working through us etc so that's kind of our breakdown of what's free and then kind of the faster path and the easier path for people that are paying. That's awesome. And, and for anybody that wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that? Our website is creditsuite.com. That's creditsuite.com. And we've got a great free guide at creditsuite.com forward slash EIN that teaches you exactly the steps to build business credit. This thing's been downloaded over 1 million times. So it's kind of popular and it'll map it all out. And then on the top right of our page, creditsuite.com are our social links. We go live on YouTube weekly. We go live on Facebook weekly. With Facebook, we're engaging with you and answering questions in real time and showing you how to actually succeed. Uh, and then we have stuff on on Instagram, Twitter, and our other channels that we're releasing daily tips, hundreds of videos on YouTube. So there's no lack of information you'll find all around helping you get money for a business. Do you, do you find that your uh, most powerful way to interact with you guys is through your, through your Facebook and through the live videos that you guys are doing on Facebook or through or is there another medium that's most powerful for you guys? I think for us personally, it's YouTube. YouTube historically from us is how we got started. I mean, what happened with me is I just became really frustrated when I understood the business credit existed and that I knew nothing about it. I felt dumb. I had 10 years of financial experience, 12 at the time. And here I am teaching stuff. And yet I don't know about this whole world. So what happened with me was I started learning in real time and teaching it. I would go research business credit scores. I would research Dun & Bradstreet. I would type what I learned into a PowerPoint. And then I would do very little to make the PowerPoint look good. And then I would just film a video or film a webinar and it would go live. And this just happened again and again. And then I looked up and we had like all these followers on YouTube. And I'll never forget because I felt really bad because we didn't have playlists. Like we didn't have a channel art. Like we just didn't care. We just kept 
teaching and educating and putting stuff up. And then we're like, oh my gosh, like people are actually watching what's going on. Like it was shocking for us because that was never the intent. Um, so I think YouTube to this day becomes one of the biggest sources of information because we just have hundreds of videos that teach on so many different topics that can be helpful for entrepreneurs. Very, very cool. Um, so I like to wrap up like the episode, you know, each day or each episode that we do here on like a lesson learned of something that's like a takeaway. Um, one of the things that I just wanted to underscore for everybody, and, and maybe there's one that you can think of as well too here is about, you know, like a, a, a clever tool that people probably haven't heard of before. Um, something that I knew about before, but I haven't ever talked about before is how the, Le the Lexus Nexus credit report um, at Royal Legal, we work a lot on uh, anonymity pieces of what information can you find about somebody that's publicly available. And we use operations of trust and running things through a law firm to create a smokescreen, so to speak, because the trust, you can't find out who owns the trust and then it's connected to a law firm. So it's connected by the attorney client privilege. And it gives you this level of being able to introduce some anonymity into it. Um, but that's one of the things that we worked up. Uh, we, we, as a litigator, what you'll do is try to pull somebody's LexisNexis credit report to find out all of the breadcrumbs of what happened in their life so you can start this investigation. Um, is there other things that you found um, and, and tools that to, to underscore um, that help people you know, get a, a good playing field of, of what their situation is like financially, like this LexisNexis credit report or any things that are off the beaten path that say, hey man, you really should pull, pull that piece of information. It's gonna be critical for, for you know, to grow your business, or your credit or your financial or wealth. I think um, everybody needs to see their business credit reports. What, what business owners don't understand is that that's public information. It, it, anybody can get it. And so what happens is that you don't need your permission. People are making all kinds of lending decisions and credit issuing decisions based on it. But because but 90% of entrepreneurs never even seen what's on there. So uh, we have a link, creditsuite.com forward slash monitoring, or you can go to NAV Direct. It's 24 bucks a month to be able to get DMB, to be able to get Experian. Know what others know about you. I mean, you can go to them directly. It's just more money. And if you're not going through us, then go through NAV regardless. But get that access to that information. Dun & Bradstreet, Experian, Equifax, those three commercial credit reports are very, very, very important. I think you need to see LexisNexis. LexisNexis is something every person listening must see. You will never feel like you've ever been so intruded on in your life until you see that report and see what everybody knows about you. It says the building materials of every home you've ever owned. The building materials, the square footage, what your roof is made of, the air conditioning units. I mean, that's the level of detail that they have in your life of things that you don't even know. And so, you know, I think you need to see that. That's absolutely essential as well. And I think it's really good and important to know that you should probably get your check systems credit report as well. Because check systems is a whole other reporting agency that actually has all of your banking history, your NSFs, when you overdraw accounts, all of that information, you actually have your own credit score with check systems. And the banks are using this to basically look at how you've always managed your banking history. So I think that that is very, very, very important as well. Um, the Small Business Finance Exchange, their SBFE is important, but if you go to LexisNexis, you'll get them. The SBFE is where a lot of these guys are getting their data from these lenders. And what happens is they're a third-party data warehouse. And then what they do is they basically, their members are all lenders. And oh, man, there's just so much of this craziness that happens that we don't know about. And then all the lenders supply all the application, all the loan performance data to this third-party data warehouse. And whenever you go to apply for a loan, they're pulling all the data 
from there. So they have uh, uh, four vendors that actually you can get their information from. LexisNexis, Dun & Bradstreet, Experian, they are those vendors. So get those credit reports, get the LexisNexis that gives you that SBFE data, and that at least gives you a, a good look at what other people uh, are knowing about you. One more tool is Yext, Y-E-X-T. There's a lot of these services out there. I'm not saying that Yext is the cheapest, it's who we use, but Yext takes all of your online listings in Yellow Pages, et cetera, and you type in your correct information and it corrects it across the board. And in our world, congruency is extremely important. What most business owners don't know is that more than half of loan applications aren't, are not denied because you don't qualify. They're denied because of discrepancies between this information they're getting and what's on your application where they believe it's fraud. So they're turning you down because they think it's fraud just because your information isn't all up to date out there in the world. And Dun & Bradstreet gets places from the yellow pages for that matter. So those are some tools to both control what's out there and to also find out more of what these other lending institutions, credit issuers are knowing about your business and you. That's awesome, Ty. So everybody in there, go to creditsuite.com slash EIN and download that ebook uh, with Ty. That's going to get you connected up with them. And that way you can have that connection to be able to ask some questions and watch their videos um, into what they're doing. The, if you go to creditsuite.com slash monitoring, that's where you're going to start to see the other tools that's for Dun & Bradstreet, Experian, Equifax, to be able to take advantage of those volume discounts that Ty's put together with those credit reporting agencies. Um, just to recap for you here, the, the last things that he talked about was the LexisNexis credit report. Um, you can use the check systems uh, credit report that'll have all of the banking info in there. Um, you can look at the, the small business uh, finance uh, exchange. That's going to be the third party warehouse with all the information they have in there um, and jump on to Yext to be able to update all of your information, tie that all together uh, to make it easier for your lenders or what you can do is just go to creditsuite.com uh, and talk to, to Ty or one of his staff and they can do it all for you. Uh, I'm sure for, for a reasonable uh, fee with that, especially if you're busy guys, I can tell you that these things are, you can learn them, you can do them on your own, but it's just like anything else, right? It's like, where's your time best spent? And I'm going to guess that your time is probably best spent doing the things that are unique to whatever is building your vision that you're passionate about, the things we talked about earlier in the show. So if you're looking down this path that you need capital, uh, the best place, the best thing to do is actually to use uh, somebody like creditsuite.com uh, and uh, to be able to just do it for you. So that way you don't get bogged down in the details. You can focus on the one thing that's important for you to be doing, you know, that day, that week, or that month uh, for your business. So thank you, Ty, so much for coming on the show, guys. This is Royal. Uh, this is uh, Scott Royal Smith. I'm the host of the Real Estate Nerds. I'm the owner of the RoyalLegalSolutions.com. We are the one-stop shop for everything entrepreneur and business uh, related for tax, business advice, legal, estate planning. You name it, we do it here. Uh, we're also giving away free LLCs. If you go to our website, royallegalsolutions.com, um, and look for free LLCs, you'll be able to find a way to uh, contact us through there and claim your free LLC. That's all for this Bad Beats episode. I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith, with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. Did you see yourself in any part of that story? I know I did. If you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in the sleeping masses of what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day. Thanks, and I'll see you again soon.